Welcome to AOC Key Solutions, Keys to Winning, where we talk about government contracting topics such as business development, win strategies, tips for managing proposals, and more. Keys to Winning, produced by the KSI Business Development Institute, gives you a chance to learn from leaders and experts in their fields. I'm Raymond Thibodeau, today's host of Keys to Winning. In this episode, we talk to KSI longtime associate Ed Zimmerman about daily stand-up meetings and why they're essential for a smooth-running proposal effort. For our Ask an Expert segment, we have Harry Pritchett, a KSI vice president. He answers an audience question on the perfect resume. Then we return to a segment we call the Dow of Jim, where Jim McCarthy, KSI's principal owner and technical director, offers kernels of proposal wisdom gained from his long career in the federal marketplace. Let's get to it, shall we? Ed Zimmerman is a proposal manager, consultant, and author of Your Leadership Map, a guide for strengthening leaders through better understanding of interdependencies among organizations, people, processes, and technologies. Right off the bat, I have to admit that I'm not a big fan of meetings. Can you tell us what makes the daily stand-up meetings any different? Uh, sure, Ray. Uh, thank you. Um, you're right. First off, the essence of the meeting is to get the proposal team together for 15 to 20 minutes, and it's important that it's short. Look at where you are with the proposal. Often, things get overlooked, and it's during these daily stand-up meetings that frequently something comes up, and you recognize that as a, maybe as a section lead that what that person's concern is, is going to affect me and my section. What are some of the warning signs that a meeting is starting to sprawl? Or better yet, how do you keep the meeting short? I found an agenda to help me keep the meeting on time and on purpose. First, I start with a roll call. Normally, these meetings have a conference call associated with it. I want to know who's at the meeting. I quickly then go into the activities on the schedule. The third item is a section status. So using the proposal outline by major sections, whoever's the lead for that section will provide a summary status of where they are. For example, a management approach. The person might identify issues or concerns. Again, the intent is to provide an overall summary of where the section is and identify any issues or concerns. The fourth item on the agenda is action items. If there's an open action item that you're tracking for the good of the proposal, let's think of maybe subcontracting and teaming agreements, you'll want to monitor that. So you'll look to get a status on that every day. And then I always end the daily stand-up meeting with uh, what I call going around the horn. So everyone has a final opportunity to raise an issue or concern or identify something that may need to happen in the proposal effort. It's just human nature when an issue comes up to try to solve the problem right then and there. And you have this room full of people and maybe five out of, let's just say, 20 people in the meeting have an interest in that. But you're holding everyone else up by solution in it. So I normally let it go for about a minute or so and see if, if a quick resolution comes. And if not, then I say, okay, let's uh, hold that and we can discuss that further after stand-up's over. These folks can stay behind or we can identify a time and a place and who needs to attend to address that issue uh, appropriately, and then you set up a meeting specific to that. Thanks, Ed. Harry Pritchett is our resident resume and past performance specialist. 
He can tune resumes and references to the specific nuances of a requirement. Hi, Harry. Thanks for being with us today. The question is, what makes a perfect proposal resume? Great question. When it comes to proposals, uh, the perfect resume really starts with looking at the government requirements, looking at the position for which the person is proposed, and then understanding what does the customer really want. Before you even have a person identified, you can build a sort of notional resume of the ideal candidate. You know, what does that person look like? The experience, skills, certifications, types of accomplishments, and then work to make the actual person's resume match that as much as possible. Earlier, you mentioned two reasons why resumes should be taken more seriously. Can you talk about that? Number one, in some cases, they can be a significant number of the points. I've seen RFPs where 40% of the available points is the personnel. So that can be 400 points out of 1,000. You don't want to leave any of those on the table. And a lot of times, companies may be late in identifying the people. And so they'll just kind of take, once they do the source resume, throw in a key, few keywords and some attempt at accomplishments. But if you really do the analysis to look at the requirements first, then do detailed interviews to draw that information out of them, you can maximize your point. The second reason is that often the people that the company brings, that ends up being the number one or number two discriminator that they have, especially if someone has some unique capabilities. And the resume is a great tool to showcase that discriminator and increase your win probability. Thank you, Harry. Now on to the Dow of Jim, where we take a kernel of proposal wisdom from Jim McCarthy's intra-office postings, and we ask him to kind of unpack it. You say, let only business developers write a proposal, and you might win, but then be unable to perform. Let program managers write one that is guaranteed to work, and your competitor will win. Can you provide some context for that? Yeah, I'm, I'm exaggerating for the point, but the business developers and proposal writers will promise the world whether or not they can deliver. That's somebody else's problem. On the other hand, if the program managers were just the ones writing the proposal, they want to remove all the uncertainty, all the risks. They want to make sure that it's executable. And in so doing, that often adds additional uh, layers of management or additional staffing or additional costs. They would have it so airtight and so risk-free that the price would be not non-competitive and somebody else would win it. If either one of the two camps reigns supreme in the whole process, I think your chances of winning would suffer. And it's somewhere in the middle where you have to strike that proper medium. And that's what our process does. Thanks again, Jim. I'm Raymond Thibodeau, and this has been Keys to Winning from AOC Key Solutions Incorporated, or KSI, a consulting firm that has helped companies across the country win billions of dollars in federal contracts. Learn more at www.aockeysolutions.com or follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Keys to Winning is a production of the KSI Business Development Institute. Be sure to subscribe for more podcasts in this series, and thank you for listening. Thank you.